Hi, um, my name is Corey J. I am a marijuana addict and I'm calling from New York City. Um, I, today I have 868 days or two years, four months and 17 days free from marijuana use. Um, I have a little over two years and two months of complete sobriety. My pronouns are he, him. I have a sponsor. I work the steps. I do service. I'm a GSR at uh, one meeting and a treasurer at another. And I'm also the treasurer for District 8, um, which is the New York City District. Um, I just want to say that, uh, you know, whatever I say here, I encourage you to take what works for you and to leave what doesn't. Um, I think that's one of the most uh, beautiful parts of our program um, is just being encouraged to work your own recovery and to stick with the things that uh, work for you and to find what does. Um, that's certainly something that's worked for me. Um, I'm going to share, you know, my qualifications and a little bit of experience um, and then some strength and hope with you all. So uh, I started uh, using marijuana when I was a senior in high school. I was a pretty um, late bloomer, or at least it felt like I was in comparison to the people that were around me, um, including my brother who had been smoking pot for a long time before um, I ever started and sort of had a really strong friend group of pot smokers. Um, I found myself like always judging people at that age that were using drugs. Um, you know, I was like a pretty uh, stringent rule follower. I found a lot of safety in rules and a lot of control in them um, that allowed me to feel uh, strong and superior and safe. And I think, um, you know, I, I really like fell into that uh, in like judging people that use drugs. Um, even though I was envious of the people that broke the rules, you know, I really wanted to feel like I could do that. And so finally I did smoke pot. I think, I think the first time I smoked pot was with my brother and his friends. Um, and I don't think that I got high the first time. I think that's pretty common for a lot of people. Um, I think I just coughed a lot and I, and I went away from it for quite a while, you know, um, drinking sort of became like the thing that I was doing. That was the cool thing to do in my life. And I sort of stuck with that for a little while. Um, until I went to college. And uh, when I went to college, I, I lived next door to um, some really, really big pot smokers, um, one of whom I'm still uh, pretty good friends with. And um, we, that was just sort of became a social connection for me. That's how it started out. You know, I had friends that I liked. I liked who they were. I liked what they did. And they also smoked a ton of pot. And so it just made sense for me to smoke a ton of pot with them um, because that's what they did. And I wanted to be cool and I wanted to be accepted. And, and, I, and I just liked these people. Um, so it, smoking really became a way. It started out as a way for me to be social with others and um, continued that way for a while. You know, it was fun for a while. Um, but but for me, like, you know, pretty quickly, um, it became obsessive. And for me, that's part of my personality. I can like really uh, find something uh, that I like and drill into it to its deepest level. Um, and repetitive behaviors are um, a really uh, 
easy spot for me to get trapped. Um, again, like, you know, wanting to control things. Sometimes that's an easy way for me to want to control things. It's just like if I do the same thing over and over and over again, I'll get the same results, you know, whether or not they're good or not. Um, I still have control, and that's something that can sometimes help me feel safe. Um, and so I think that's what it was for me. You know, like I had roommates that smoked a ton of pot. It was an easy way to make friends. You know, lots of people smoked pot or they liked people that smoked pot. And you know, we would go to parties and smoke pot. And it just became something that was really easy um, for me to meet people with. Um, but pretty soon, like sophomore year of college, I started smoking pot on my own. I started avoiding those parties. I started, you know, getting my own stash and, um holding up in my room and playing a lot of video games um, and just like really just starting to isolate myself in a problematic way. You know, like the things that I used to like doing, like whether it was like going out skateboarding or going out with my friends to meet other people, you know, I really love um, being around people um, and talking with them and socializing and I stopped doing those things or at least I cut back on them because I just wanted to be, inside and smoking pot all the time. Um, I even started making decisions around that. You know, I took a living situation where I could live alone, basically in a basement, um, where I could just like play video games and smoke pot all the time. And I wasn't accountable to anybody. I started skipping classes and telling myself that that was okay and um, blaming other people for the reason that I was doing that, whether it was the institution that I went to or, um, you know, the time that I had to get up or just like whatever it was. Um, you know, around that time I had like, you know, I ended up getting like a very prestigious internship that like I really teetered on the edge of. In my smoking, you know, I started making decisions based around my smoking. I started living basically alone um, and I started, you know, staying up late into the night, skipping classes, doing stuff like that um, to the point that like I had an internship that I really, really wanted and was really, really good for me was a really strong thing and I started showing up late I started caring less about showing up at all um, and I just kept like blaming all of my problems on other people um, you know on for a really long time um, throughout college to the point that like I passed by the skin of my teeth um, I'm lucky to have a college degree today um, and it sort of shifted from there. Once I graduated college, you know, I was still smoking a lot, but once I moved to New York, things sort of pulled back a little bit. I stopped smoking every single day. Um, you know, I had work, um, and I wasn't doing things like smoking at work. I wasn't doing the things I was doing in college where I would, like, smoke until 3 o'clock in the morning and isolate myself. Um, and so, you know, I felt okay and sort of probably, guess, went away, but it only went away for a time. You know, um, I was in New York. I was enjoying my life. Um, I started, you know, dating my now wife, and things were really good. Um, but as I got comfortable and as I started to get um, more and more settled in my life, and I started smoking again, um, and, you know, it took a while, it took a little while before I started smoking every single day again, um, but it did start happening. And 
even now I say that with like a lack of responsibility. It didn't start happening. I started choosing to do it more and more and more and more. And, um, you know, then to me, it was just like my break. It was the way that I uh, settled down or told myself that like, you know, I had earned these, these relaxations, um, ignoring the fact that it was happening every night to increasing effect, um, you know, sometimes until midnight, one o'clock in the morning. You know, I think um, at the time, you know, the Life of Hope talks about the fantasy of functionality. And the first time I read that phrase, I was knocked on my ass. And I apologize for swearing. Um, but I really was. Like, I was 100% living the fantasy of functionality. You know, I had a job that paid well. Um, I was financially solvent to the point that, like, um, you know, I'm the kind of person that, like, really wants a lot of control over my life to the tune that, like, I have a spreadsheet of all of my expenses, and I log every single expense. And back then, every single expense meant even my marijuana. And so I had budget line items for that monthly and yearly. And so that, to me, was a way of telling myself, oh, I have this under control, like, you know, completely ignoring the fact that I was really just, like, logging my spending. I wasn't, like, setting caps or, or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I convinced myself that it wasn't uh, a problem because I had a job. I was doing well. I didn't smoke at work. That was a hard boundary for me um, that I never crossed. And so, you know, that was the way that I was able to tell myself that I didn't have a problem. Um, you know, in addition, like, I was able to stop for like a month or two or three here and there. Um, you know, I told myself that I stopped when my wife and I got engaged and we were saving for our wedding. But really what happened is that I just stopped smoking pot that was mine. And then soon enough along, like, I started spending a little bit of money on it, but I said I wouldn't. And so there were all these like little signs that um, smoking pot for me was a problem and something that I was deluding myself about. Um, and a thing that I didn't really fully understand why it was happening outside of like just telling myself it was a break that I deserved. Um, what I didn't notice or what I didn't admit to myself was that you know, in addition to smoking, I was withdrawing from my life in other ways. In order to smoke as much pot as I did, you know, I had to withdraw from other people, from relationships. I had to isolate myself to feel okay doing it. You know, even doing it, like, I felt a deep amount of shame or guilt. And, and to be honest, like, guilt was a correct emotion to be feeling at that time because I was withdrawing from my primary relationship. I was withdrawing from my friendships. You know, even the friendships that I did have with with the people that I did smoke pot with, like when I would go to get togethers or parties and things like that, like I wouldn't be present. I would be thinking about the next time that I could smoke, you know? Um, and that was like the overwhelming focus of my life, um, which, you know, I, I don't think I was fully conscious of at the time, but I was certainly conscious of it to a degree, you know, deep down, I, I smoked splits and I would tell myself, you know, I'm not addicted to tobacco. I'm addicted to weed. And I used to say that as a joke, but it wasn't a joke. Like deep down there was a part of me that knew that this was a problem. 
So, you know, my life continued. I continued to work, making money, budgeting my pot smoking. Um, but I continued to try to smooth out every hard and sharp edge that existed in my life with smoking. Um, I wanted everything to be smooth and easy. Like I didn't want to feel any of the feelings that I was having was the bottom line. Like whether it was anxiety, or guilt, or stress, or upset, or, you know, all of these like feelings that I was feeling, my only answer for those feelings was smoking. And it was my only answer for many decades. So, you know, every night I would come home from work, I would go into my room and smoke until I can convince myself to go to bed. Um, and, you know, things got progressively worse and worse. I continued to smoke um, until the point that, like, I took a travel job just because smoking every single night wasn't enough escape from my life. And so I left New York. Um, I took a job. I started, you know, I told myself that I wouldn't join, like, the work hard, party hard crew or attitude of the travel job that I was going on that I knew was intrinsic to it. And sure enough, that turned out to be a lie. I started partying more. I started drinking more. Um, and by the time I came back, like, my life was in absolute shambles. And at the very kind very gentle, very selfless suggestion of my wife, not requirement. Um, I went to my very first 12-step meeting. Um, it was a Friday night. It was December. It was here in Union Square in New York at a place called the Realization Center. And I walked in, and I was in absolute wreck. Um, I did not want to be there. I was angry. I was upset. But I was desperate. Um, and, you know, I was greeted by, very kindly, by two fellows, one of whom became my sponsor uh, later on. And I sat down in that meeting knowing that I was never, ever, ever coming back. I sat through the meeting. I listened to people's stories. And I heard mine. I heard about people that could not stop smoking. Um, that were escaping their feelings, that were running from their lives, uh, that were isolating from everybody around them. Um, and I was so angry. I was like, you know, I belonged there. And I was so mad about that. So, so mad. Um, I walked out of the meeting and I sobbed like a child in Union Square in New York. And uh, I'll never forget that because one of the most beautiful things about New York City is that you can sob in the middle of the street and there is no reason to feel embarrassed because absolutely nobody cares, which was kind of wonderful. It was what I needed at the time. I needed nobody to see me like that. Um, you know, I came into that meeting and I heard the 12 questions and I answered yes to almost all of the 12. Uh, and the ones that I couldn't answer yes to I was just having trouble admitting it. Um, you know, I have been in the rooms since then. And um, what Marijuana Anonymous gives me is a space that I've never had in my life before, um, just a space to 
talk about my feelings, to talk about my experience, to talk about the things that I'm going through, um, to talk about the isolation that I put myself through, um, to listen to other people who have the same or similar problems that I do. And um, that, more than anything, uh, is what keeps and kept me coming back, was just hearing people that could have been speaking with my mouth. Um, I kept coming to meetings. I didn't get a sponsor for a while. Um, I just didn't feel safe. I needed to come, you know, a lot to be able to trust that I was going to be well-received here, that I wasn't joining a cult, that, like, you know, it takes a lot for me to trust other people and especially to trust other institutions. You know, I grew up with uh, a father who was an evangelical Christian and um, had a lot of, like, rough experiences with the church. And so institutions and, and spirituality in general has always been very threatening to me. And so it took me a long time to feel safe in the program. But I knew it was important to keep coming because I kept coming and I didn't smoke. Um, and I continued not to smoke and continued not to smoke and continued not to use and continued to come to meetings and just it is truly the shock of my life that I have not used pot since the first MA meeting that I came to. Like, um, I learned that, you know, there were good reasons that I was avoiding my feelings because they, they got in touch with me once I started coming to MA. And I am a deep feeler. Um, I'm a pretty, you know, sensitive person. And I've figured out uh, through the program how to deal with my feelings um, as well as, you know, other tools in my life. Um, but it is it's not an exaggeration to say, it is not an exaggeration to say that, you know, Marijuana Anonymous has given me a ton of tools to deal with my life, um, things that I just didn't have before, you know. Um, and the steps for me are that. Um, they give me a very clear outline of how to approach the emotional weather of my life. Um, you know, these days I do have a sponsor. I work the steps. Um, I do believe that I'm powerless over marijuana. There is no question about that for me. Um, um, something that MA has given me is, is a spirituality that is, safe for me. Um, you know, I, if you would have told me that day that I came into that meeting at the Realization Center that I would meditate, that I would pray uh, on a regular basis, that I would ask for help and be capable of doing that and not be beating the shit out of myself that I was doing it, I would have told you that you were crazy. Um, these were all things that I struggled with. I struggled with self-judgment. Um, struggle with, you know, fear and with impatience and all of that stuff comes from like needing and feeling like, feeling like I need to have control over every facet of my life. And I do not feel that way anymore. 
I have a direct road through the steps to give up control over the things that I don't have control over and to be actively working towards recognizing that which I don't have control over and letting it go to my higher power. Um, you know, MA and Life with Hope make me feel safe because they give me the structure to define a higher power as whatever it means to me and whatever it means to you as well. And, you know, that's something that is priceless to me. It is more than anything the single facet that allows me to be here and allows me to show up to meetings, allows me to share my story and feel safe and trusting doing so. And, um, you know, those are all things that I have through the program. Um, you know, so what is my life like now? Um, I go to meetings. I meditate regularly. I talk to my sponsor regularly. I work the steps regularly. Right now I'm on step eight. I have not been through the 12 steps. Um, I do service. Um, I'm a GSR for a meeting here in District 8, as well as a treasurer for District 8. Um, these are all things that I would not have thought were possible. I would not have thought that I would be uh, not only willing, but excited to do. You know, I do, I enjoy being of service to these meetings. I enjoy feeling like there is a purpose for me being here and carrying the message to other people like me. Um, and I am I'm very, very, very grateful for that. I take it really seriously. Um, and these are all things that I did not have before. You know, before I was, all I had was weed. All I had was smoking. All I had was escape. Those were the things that were such a deep, deep focus of my life. I can't express how strong they were. And for me, the obsession has been lifted. You know, there are times that I do think about smoking and then it passes. The 12, the 12 questions are basically no longer true for me a lot of the time. And the relationships that I built both in recovery and in repairing my marriage and my relationship with my friends, um, you know, starting to make amends to people that uh, deserve it and understanding what that truly means. These are all things that I did not have before the program and I would not have without it. Um, and, you know, it, it truly has changed my life being here, being an MA. And I am very grateful for the space to qualify here and to share my story. And I just want to thank Jesse uh, for inviting me to speak again and Susan for chairing. And I want to thank seriously all of you for being here that are listening um, it really really means so much to me to be given this space to share my story and I hope that you have found something that um, is helpful to you and if you haven't just throw it out no worries um, um, and I just want to say thanks thank you so much for allowing me to speak